future. It's here. You now have the power to unlock the secrets of the hobby. An innovation that will change the way the industry works. The game changer is here. Card Ladder. Hey everyone, this is Josh back with Cardboard Chronicles. Today I'm joined by Dustin, aka LJ Rookie Card Vault. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm excited to have a LeBron guy, obviously. It's been a little while since I've had a LeBron collector, so we gotta we gotta stick together here. So why don't you kick us off? Tell us about yourself and your background in the hobby. Absolutely. Um I'm one of the older guys in the hobby, I guess you'd say. Um I um uh, I started collecting probably when I was in college in the early nineties. Uh I went to I, I went to I was in college and right down the street from the college was a card shop and I went in one day and got to talking to the owner and and he said hey you want a job here and I said well yeah I mean you know and and so I actually worked for store credit I didn't even work for money um, I think it was it was like I was only making like five fifty an hour or something and and so I'd work there after school and help him and. Um, he would give me deals, obviously. Um, and that kind of got me into it. And then I started going back to my mom's house, um, and looking up in the attic, like the old story goes, everybody does that and found, a. I don't know if you remember the old sports card lockers, the little blue with the whatever. Yeah. I opened them up and, uh, unfortunately my brother and I started collecting in 81. Uh, not unfortunately, but, uh, we had a lot of 81 basketball in there. Uh, we had a lot of 81 football. Um, had about two Montana rookies that looked like they'd been in, you know, like a bicycle wheels. Um, but from that point forward, I just started going, you know, to card shops, card shows back then were just, you know, there was three a weekend, um, wherever you wanted to go. And there in Nashville, there's a, there's a flea market that happens every weekend on Murfreesboro Road. Nobody probably knows what that is, but they have, it's like an inside card shop and they just have it all weekend. Um, I bought my first big purchase there. I was just married, like 91, well, 92, I guess. Um, and I bought a Jordan rookie. Uh, it, it was in a, the old top loaders, had the gold rookie card on top. And it probably was a PSA 6. I mean, it, there's no way. But at the time, there was no PSA. There was It was just, you know, it was exciting. Uh, I paid like $850 for it. And at the time, that's a lot of money. I mean, I put it on a credit card. It was just crazy at that time. And and so I kept it for a few years, kept working at the card shop, sold it. Um, at the card shop, of course, that it led into the 92 area when Shaq was big and it was booming. I mean, you know, everybody wanted Shaq and Harold Miner was big then. And, you know, it just, it was like crazy, um, you know, crazy for then, not crazy like now. Um but yeah, and so I worked there all through college and then had a family like everybody else and got out of it. And then back in 2000, probably 10, um, I started looking on the internet, just trying to find places to talk cards. And I, I stumbled upon the PSA boards. That was the only thing I knew about then. Um, got on there. There wasn't a big basketball following then because basketball back then was just not real popular. Um, you know, some of the older stuff was, but nothing new, you know, it was, it was, it was just not. Um, and so I, I met a bunch of friends there, 
went to my first national in Chicago, met a few of those guys, still friends to this day. Um, most of them were baseball guys. And so I was still mainly into basketball. I never owned a baseball card. I never collected a baseball card. Um, just always gravitate toward basketball. Um, fast forward a little bit. I, I bought a bird rookie, uh, Dr. J rookie, both in a PSA nine. Um, I paid like 1300 for my, uh, my Dr. J rookie and about $800 for my bird magic rookie. And Kind of gravitate toward PSA because of PSA board. So I, I don't have anything against BGS. I, I like BGS, but I'm just a PSA guy. I just like to stick with PSA and kind of limits my what I buy. But anyway, I end up selling those, making deals, bought my wife a car. We, we, we all were talking about the crossover last night about, you know, wives not agreeing. It. She didn't understand it, probably like yours. Um, but after I bought her a car and paid cash for it, um, she was like, Oh, I like this, you know, just so anytime I spend money now, she's like, you know what you're doing, just do it. And so fast forward, um, 2014 or 13, I guess I bought my first LeBron card. Uh, it was a black refractor PSA 10, uh, paid $800, 850, something like that for it. Didn't think much of it. Uh, was going to the national in 2014. I think it was when LeBron in Cleveland, when LeBron was coming back to Cleveland, and a collector put it on eBay. Just I put it on eBay for an outrageous amount. Some guy responded and said, I'll give you $4,200 for it. And I was thinking, wow, I've made tons of money on this card. I'm going to sell it. I'm still you know, not really into LeBron. I didn't think anything about it. So I sold it, thought I made you know, just tons of money. And so it did well on it. But, you know, and then so I started gravitating toward Jordan because everybody loved Jordan. And so from usually from 2012 or 2000. I guess 2011 national in Chicago, I bought a Jordan PSA 10 rookie from memory lane. Um, I remember going over the whole room. I went through three of them and found the best one. I paid $9,500 for it. I, it was the most money I've ever spent on anything other than a car or a house. And um, people thought I was nuts. Um, all the friends from the PSA board there and they were, they were excited for me, but they didn't understand what I was doing. And, kind of from a financial standpoint and kind of from just, I like Jordan. And so from that point forward, from 2011, probably to really to 2017, I collected anything Jordan. I tried to collect all PSA 10 Jordans from 86 through 93. So I had every insert, most every, if there wouldn't be parallels then, but every insert, every car, whether it's base, I don't care if it was a tops or clear or whatever in a PSA 10. So it was kind of cool just to, do that. And I kind of ran into a bus saw because I just ran out of stuff to collect. There was just nothing there. Um, then bring in 2018 when LeBron went to the Lakers. I'm thinking, you know, it would be so much fun to collect somebody that actually plays because I love Jordan. I still think, you know, there's a debate on the goat or not. I don't, I try to I have a ton of friends that will argue me because, you know, one of my good friends, Francis, the landman 242 on IG, he's, you know, he grew up in Cleveland. I understand him. He thinks LeBron is the GOAT. And I can say 1A, 1B. That's what I say. So, anyway, so I sold all my Jordan stuff except for my rookie. I traded it, started collecting LeBron rookies, um, start off with the base like everybody does um, because it was affordable. And at that time, it was still really affordable. I mean, you could get most base rookies for two or three hundred dollars. It was, it was pretty cheap. Um, I think on my tops base, I think I paid like $225 for it. And um, so I kind of got going in that and then 
all I had left was my Jordan rookie and a few LeBron bases. And so then I made a big deal with Mike Cantz to sell my Jordan rookie. You know, I sold it way too low, obviously, on what it's worth now. But the way I look at that is I threw all that money back into LeBron stuff. I took all that money, started buying higher LeBrons and kind of building up the ladder. Um, you know, that, that's the way all new collectors do. Everybody thinks everybody comes in and buys a $30,000 card. I never really thought about buying a $30,000 card. Um, and, and really still have never bought a $30,000 card. I mean, I always trade and add money to it and that kind of thing. So, but that's kind of where I went. And then I got on IG in 2018. My wife thought I was nuts. You know, I'm 50 years old. They think, why are you on IG? You know, that's a kids or whatever. My daughter makes fun of me because she's 15 and she's like, why do you, I only have 200 followers? What's going on? You know, and I'm like, well, I mean, it's just my card page, you know? And so that's kind of where it was kind of weird for me because I didn't know anything about IG. I didn't know how to operate that. I mean, I knew how to use a phone, but I didn't, you know, what is it? And so that was probably the best thing I ever done for the hobby. That was, I mean, by far it was the, it really got, you know, me started the passion, the, the, you know, to find people, to find deals, to meet friends, uh, met a ton of people on there. There is some flakes on there, as you know, um, there's a lot of scoundrels I know, but it's just, it's been really good. Um, I've met tons of great people, you know, including yourself and, and just people that can help me along the way. And, I didn't, you know, I'm so focused, like, because I really only do LeBron rookies. I don't, I, I bought a few, like I bought two or three 2012 Prism LeBrons at $120 a piece uh, a year or so ago and traded them um, to Mike Kantz when I was making a deal with him. I really, it's funny because he seems to get all the LeBron stuff. I don't know if it's just because I have a relationship with him, but it seems like probably a fourth of my collection came from him. Um, a lot of it's eBay, obviously, um, but it seems like less and less eBay now. Um, eBay's just so hard to navigate. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. And it's just, um, you know, you, you want to be fair in the deal. It's, it's emotional. Um, I've seen you make deals at the National. It, it, it does get emotional. It's, um, if you have to overpay now. Um, for a lot of my LeBrons, I overpay at the time. I thought I was nuts, you know, but... It's really it, it can't to get them nowadays. You have to because people put a value on a car that's so much more. They think it's so much worth more, and they're probably right. You know, because I don't know how many times I've texted with a guy or I've messaged with a guy. He's like, "I shouldn't sell this." You know, there's no way this is. You know, I'd be nuts to sell this card. You know, it's going to be worth this, this, and this in a few years. And then you have to come back and go, "Yeah, maybe so." You know, but it's it's funny too. I was talking about making deals and. We were talking about this. It's like you have to slow player. You know, when you when you talk to somebody, you can't just come in aggressive and say, "I'll give you this much money for this card." You, it's almost an emotional attachment for them because they know it's going to be worth more. Do they need the money for something else? You don't want to take advantage of them, but you just kind of slow play. You can't be aggressive. I might text a guy and then a day later, two days later, reach back out to him. And I mean, some of my cards here. I mean, it's like this. Um, it's a, my X Fractor. Uh, my nine, I worked on that card probably for, can you see it? Yep. Yeah, I probably worked on that card at the time I bought it. Um, I worked on that for probably a week and a half with this guy. And he kept saying, oh, you're going to you're gonna sell this for $20,000 one day. And I'll tell you what really helps, and I'm sure you've seen this, a lot of people, and even some dealers, Mike's that way, at least he appears to be that way, and I think, he, I think he's genuine. 
Um, they don't want to sell to a dealer. They want to sell to somebody who has a passion because maybe they had a passion when they collected it. And I think sometimes that helps. I mean, if they had a choice to sell it to you or me as a collector or sell it to somebody who's going to flip it, I think that that really holds truth for a lot of people. Um, and so that guy particularly, I was, you know, we kept going back and forth and we were within two or $300. It wasn't like it was crazy. And finally I just overpaid by like $400 just to get him to go. And, and it's probably worth four or five times what I paid for it now. Um, and it's just, it, it's just one of those things where you just, and, and deals don't come up that often anymore. Um, you have to get them when you can get them. Um, because if you don't buy them now for some of the high dollar stuff and even some of the mid-level stuff, you just don't see anymore. Um, and being PSA guy only hurts me a little bit because, you know, I've had a few, I've cracked out of BGS to try to get PSA and I've even taken some lower grades in PSA. Um, you know, this was, uh, my tops red to two twenty five. that card right there, it was a BGS nine raw that I bought from, uh, Chris at quick consignments. I paid like $800 for it, cracked it. And Mike Kent submitted it to National and it came back a nine. So sometimes I take chances. And then I have some cards that this card here is Black Diamond. It's a number one to 25. It was a BGS nine. Now it was a lower sub BGS nine and it went down to a PSA eight and it didn't really bother me. Um, it wasn't one of those cards that, you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, if I'm a PSA guy or a PSA guy, and sometimes people look at a PSA eight as a BGS nine, just depending on what it looks like. Um, a lot of people tell me if I want to sell it one day, maybe go back to BGS on certain stuff or try to. Um, it just depends on the card. Um, one of my favorite cards. Okay, well, let's start with this. So the last national, I made the biggest deal I ever made. Um, of course, my window was closed and I'm getting exquisite. You know, you I think you had just got yours, uh, the RPA. Uh, or maybe did you get it after the national last year? A little bit after, yeah. A little bit after, yeah. And so – you knew as well as I do that exquisites, you only get so many chances. You know, there's yep. somebody told me the other day, there's 400 something of them and you just don't get a big chance. Um, so I saw an exquisite I wanted. Um, what I, it was a PSA, which was very rare. It was really one of the only cards in the, in the whole, whole room in Chicago. Um, and so I just sat back over in the corner, <laughs> pulled out all my cards. I can get rid of this. I can get rid of this. I can get rid of this. And I went over and made the deal. It was like one of the biggest deals I ever made. You know, the guy had valued it like twenty eight, twenty nine thousand dollars and so it was another situation where I almost had to just stay there and just not beg, but just kind of say, Look, I want this card. Here's what I'm willing to do. And then if I have to throw an extra thousand dollar card here, a thousand dollar card here, I will. And so it's my patches card. Now I don't it's not the best patch in the world. I wish it was more colorful, but at least we know it's not fake, right? making me want to send all my stuff to PSA. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was one of my favorite, I mean, obviously my biggest deal. And, it, and it's a, it, this used to be a BGS nine as well. Um, cause you know, just like we talked before, I went on work point, found it there. It was a BGS nine. Um, don't really know where you got it. Uh, here's another card. Uh, this is an example, like last July, which I was on, I was at the beach on vacation and a guy was selling a raw card, a card I'd never seen before. It's not, Super rare. It's not numbered, but he was selling on eBay. So I, I wrote him. I said, hey, what's the story? And he gave me the same old story. I went back to my parents, found a few LeBrons. I heard they were whatever. And some people think that's BS, but I think that is really true a lot of times. And this was one of them. I bought it raw. 
took a chance, paid $800 for it, and it's, uh, it's a car you don't see a lot. It's a UD glass. It's a really cool car, and that came back a 10. I mean, I just was like, I felt like if it came back a 9, I'll keep it. Even if, it, you know, I figured if he can sell it for that raw, I can sell it for raw. So I figured I'd take the chance. Um, that actually, here's what, no, my favorite cards. It's only a pop one. There's none higher. I'm sure you've seen this car before. It's a secret weapon. It's the 23. It's just a beautiful, I know you like shine cards. It's a, in hand, it's a really, really pretty card. Um, that's a card, you know, of course, it doesn't matter the grade. Um, another card, yeah, Patrick, uh, I know, 8209, I don't know if you know Patrick. You know Patrick, yeah. So, Patrick, we were on a message one night. We were watching basketball this past summer. Or it wasn't this past, well, right before the shutdown. And he uh, he messaged said, hey, a card just popped up on eBay. And he said they want $3,300 for it or whatever. And I was like, okay, what was it? And um, it's the logo card. And they never come up. Yeah, they never come up. And then, like, I bought it. And then, like, I thought I was going to offer the guy because he had a best offer. And then they kept saying, just buy it. You got to buy it. Somebody's going to get it. And how many times have we done that before? I'm sure you've looked at it and thought about looking at offering it. Next thing you know, somebody hits buy it now. And I think that card's doubled in value. Um, I bought this raw at the show last year. And it was, I had to pry that guy the guy out of this guy's hands and it was it was a risk too i mean just to buy a raw exquisite I remember that one. yeah i remember, you raw. And I, I remember when i bought it it was like the guy goes i'm sure you've dealt with these kind of people before it's like oh i don't want to sell that that's you know and i don't know if they're saying that because they want to sell it and then you just start throwing numbers out and i think because i got some success early on that just i really saw things coming you know and, and i hoped i saw things coming and and I thought, you know, and everybody's always told me, so if you want it, buy it. Because, you know, and, and, and for the most part, I think for everything I bought, I haven't lost money on. I mean, obviously, we lose money sometimes. Here's another card you don't see a lot. The Ruby. Mm-hmm. Patchworks. That's the 50. I got that from Mike. I had to trade two or three of my 2012 Prisms uh, for that, which at the time was only, they're only worth $120. Uh, we saved one up. Probably my favorite, you know, besides the big ones, I mean, one of my favorite cards that you just never see is this. It's the 50 of Patch. And it's, um, I bought that on PWCC a year and a half ago, I guess. Um, and it's just one of my favorite patches. Um, I think what else I've got, obviously, this is the card I just got from Mike. And I upgraded my SBX9 for a 10. Um, it's funny because you'll post this picture on Instagram and people make fun of the auto, but all those autos are bad. I don't know if you've ever yep. owned one. I guess it was his first one. And we talked about it. I think it's his first true RPA. Um, if you want to call it, I guess you call it RPA, even though he signed a piece of paper. Um, of course, this picture will look for me. This card is for me when you, you used to own it, obviously. I'm going to jump in and ask, like you said earlier that, uh, it took you some time to kind of build up and you were in, in how much you spend. And I think that's, I think a lot of people can relate to that, obviously. And especially on Instagram now, everyone sees like these super expensive cards and everything's so expensive, but like, how do you, how do you sort of build up to these bigger cards? What's like the progression, you know, how do you, uh, is it you like building up by buying lower stuff and then sort of like using that to leverage up to the bigger or how does that work for you? Absolutely. Everything, just about every big purchase I've made, I've either traded or I've sold something to build up. And when I say when I had lower end stuff, I mean, I still have some base stuff, but like 
when I got into the 2018, you know, a lot of the base, like we talked, was really, really cheap. You know, you're talking about three or four dollars and less. And so I bought a bunch of those. You know, some of the cards are worded as desirable for people. Um, I still try to keep if it's if it goes with another card of mine, I try to keep it. But yeah, I think we we disregard we we see the base going crazy and we think, oh, the base is, you know, it's overpriced. But you know, that's where people start. And, you know, I didn't, I never thought I could own cards like this. I was thinking, you know, I'll just own base, you know, and then I started getting more into it. And then once I got the first card that maybe was a, a medium sized card to jump up from it, I got the feeling like, wow, I can do this. I can take the base and the card that's a high pop in sales. I can sell it, trade it and get something else. Because um, Mike always told me, he's, he's probably told you, I'm sure, but he said, you know, the big stuff you can sell and you can, tr- but you can, you more likely can trade to get it or trade away from it, I guess, if you have it. But the base you always can sell because it just sells. And I think anybody getting in the hobby right now starts off that way. I think whether it's Luca or Zahn or whatever, I think they even start off at the base stuff and then they start working in the parallels and stuff like that. So yeah, that that's the, that's the key. That's what I did. And it just, it, you know, as far as LeBron goes, I think it's amazing that I've done so well over a short period of time because I haven't put a ton of money in. Um, now it might be tougher because um, you're going to put a little more money into it, but it's all relative because then when you trade those higher base for other cards, they're going up too. So, um, but you had that, like a focus towards it, right? Like you didn't, uh, you didn't come in and like, uh, you know, do some LeBron, some other things, Luca. No, you, you, you even said like you sold all your Jordan and you went all in and you focused. All, and that's, I think, on, I think that's important. All in on rookie LeBrons. I mean, I just said if I'm going to collect him, you know, and I'm not 22 years old, and not that I'm dying tomorrow, but it's like I don't have as much time either to speculate on Luca that in 30 years from now we can turn and it's a well, they're already really high, but yes, some cards, yes, I didn't have that kind of time, so I thought, you know, we always talk it's Brady. It's um, um, Brady, LeBron, and Jordan. You know, you can't go along with any of those three. Uh, but I was wanting to my, – my main reason, I wanted to collect a player that still played. I wanted to have more options. You know, with Jordan, you have the star and you have the rookie. That's it. I mean, and so unless you own multiple rookies, I just wanted to have the options. And I loved the options in 2003. I mean, they made so many cards of him just because he was such a phenom. And um, it's just, um, yeah, I, I think for any young collector, any probably got starting out, it's fun to look at the stuff. But look at me. I never thought I would own, you know, a card like you know, some of that I own because I just never thought about that. I just thought I'm going to collect the base and I'm not going to get into the high stuff and then start meeting people going, oh, I could trade this, this, and this for this and then get this. And like, wow. And so it's all about, you know, you know as well as I do, the, the high stuff too is what's going to stand the test of time you know, the, the lower numbered stuff or, you know, the tops Chrome stuff. I mean, it's like, I never thought a base tops Chrome would be 10, 10, $11,000. I just never saw that coming. I just, and some people think it'll be like LeBron rookie. I don't know. I think the refractor is more like that. Um, you know, but I had to, you know, that my, my refractor, I mean, it's like when I bought that, I paid like a thousand dollars over for what I should have paid for that card. And, you know, but when I bought it, it was like five thousand dollars. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, it just it just blew my mind. Um, I have an X Fractor, which you know I decided to get them all. I have a nine in it, and it's funny because out of all my refractors, I have a little bit more money in this, but uh, then I have a black. Obviously, I 
I had to replace the, the 10 with the 9. I actually bought that on eBay, you know, two years ago, I guess. But, yeah, talking about what you're talking about, yeah, it's like you just – everybody thinks that you can just come in and start – some people can. I mean, there's people out there that have millions of dollars, and, you know, we have people on IG we know that can just go do that, but we're all not in that terms. So, <laughs> I mean, and I think it makes me appreciate it more, and uh, it's more fun, and, I, and I'm really – obsessed about keeping a log. I mean, I know everything I paid for the card, what I gave up to get it, the value, the value I gave up to get it. Um, and so I can always go back and go, I traded this card, this card and this cash for this card. And so it's kind of fun to neat to look at that. Some people don't keep up with that. I mean, I know dealers that don't know what they pay for a card. I don't know how they run a business and do that, but you know, I keep it, I keep everything on the PSA registry. Um, I'm not really a registry chaser, but I keep all my inventory on there. And I put the day I bought it, the day I sold it, if I sold it, um, I have all my sold cards on there. I bought my bought whatever I what I give up to get them, uh, that kind of thing. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. It's kind of the card ladder before the card ladder, you know. Um, and it's um, it, you know what I'm saying. It's just, I, I keep up with it, look yeah. at it, because um, I can even go back and look at sold cards that I sold a year and a half ago. So yeah, it's a um, it's a fun hobby. The people we meet is just. I mean, they're people. They're not, you know, just, you know, I'm sure you get this all the time, but my family, my brother's really bad about it. He'll kill me for saying this if you ever watch it. If you want to watch it. Uh, he, uh, he just thinks it's stupid. He calls me every, like after the championship, he said, you sold all those yet? And I'm like, no. He goes, sell them all. Sell them. And I'm just like, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm just not that guy. You know, I guess one day we can't be buried with them. I understand we have to sell them, but, you know, I'm just not one that's just take them all and sell them. I just, you know, it's just like you probably never had zero in your collection. You know, I mean, I, I, since you've been collecting, I doubt you have. Um, but it's I'm a good thing you didn't listen to him because stuff's gone way up every time he said No, no. He told me that last year. I mean, it was like every year or every time I see him, he's like, you sold those cards yet? You know, because they just don't get it. They don't understand it. Um, you know, my other friends that don't collect don't understand it. But it's just, um, it's fun. I don't gamble. So, I mean, I guess I do on cards, but it's like I don't bust packs. I don't, you know, I don't buy the new stuff. Um, you know, that might change at some point, but it's hard. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you could start talking about even 2004 LeBron, 2005 LeBron, 2007, 2009. I know a little bit about a few of those, and I can appreciate the cards, but I don't know nothing like I know about the 2003. I just know, I know more about it because that's what I focus on. So they're all pretty cards, and I've almost ventured into some other years. Um, but if I open that up, I don't know what I'm going to do. So yeah, that's a that's a slippery slope you can't return yeah, from. Yeah, I mean, because one of my friends, Eric, that I don't know if you ever met, you probably met Eric before. He's the bearded guy that has the 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 cowboy hat on at the show every year. He uh, he's all over the place at times, and he's like, I admire your focus. He said, "That's great." Hey. <laughs> but no I mean he's like I admire your focus because some people are all over the place and they just have a little bit of everything and they just don't know what they're doing and and so I just started early on just to stay focused on I mean even Francis is that way he he collects other LeBron stuff you know but it's just um it's fun and I love it like Michael texts me all the time and say hey what's this worth on 03 LeBron, you know, and he could text me on 07 or 09. I wouldn't know. I mean, I would have to look it up. So it's kind of fun to keep up with. But, no, it's uh, 
it's you know, for anybody's young, like we said, it's just got to stay with it and, and build up over time. It's not a, you know, it's not, it, it's a marathon. I mean, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You just got to you know, be happy with what you got. I mean, I mean, I had some lower grades on a lot of these cards that I've upgraded and I was happy with those, you know, and when I have an opportunity to upgrade, I will, but I try not to get too focused on the grades, I, but I do realize there's a financial benefit to it. So, um, but no, yeah, it's, um, it's just an awesome hobby. Talk about how um, you mentioned that you buy a lot of your stuff from a few guys and it seems like you've got a fairly small circle. I mean, that's probably just because of like who you collect and what you collect. So you just sort of like meet those people, but keeping that small group kind of is, is nice, right? Like you can, you can make easy deals. Like you don't have to worry about running into shenanigans and dealing with Mike is obviously extremely easy. And you just like, you're almost willing to pay, you know, like 10% more knowing yeah. that it's coming from someone easier coming from yeah. a group you trust. Right. It's like Mike, when he hit the Dallas show last weekend, um, he texted me and said, Hey, what's this SPX 10 worth? And of course he didn't even know I was interested in it. He, I think he knew I had an iron and, and I, and I told him what I thought it was worth. And, and he and I said, and I, my wheels started going to my head. I was like, okay, I'm thinking I want this card. And so we started throwing out scenarios and I was texting back and forth. And he was super busy at the show. It was crazy. And, and he said, uh, Dustin, he said, let's talk a little bit later. We always get it done. Don't worry about it. And I put a high price on it. It's probably not going anywhere. You know, we always get the deal done. So I don't know if I've ever entered in a deal with Mike that I haven't got done. Now, have I paid a little bit more? Maybe, but also know that if I got this card home and I wasn't happy with it, and he even texted me, said, did you check it out or whatever, he would take it right back. And he would just send it all back. You know, it'd be no big deal. It's just, and he's always been that way. It's just, and it's for somebody that young, when I say young, that's light years ahead of some of the older dealers that don't know how to handle people and don't know how to make negotiations and all that. It's just amazing. Um you know, and we talk about that all the time. Like a lot of his cards I got from him that he sold at low prices. And, you know, somebody will say, like my wife said one day, she goes, why would he sell that to you two years ago that's, you know, that's went through the roof? And he said, why would he just hang on to it? And I said, well, he's running the business. I mean, you know, he's got to sell stuff and move stuff and inventory and make pay bills like all of us do, you know. And so that's why I even thought about getting the business one time. And I thought, you know, it's just not going to be as fun. I'll have to sell all my stuff. I mean, I'll have to, you know, I just... It's just, it's more fun to make money somewhere else and spend it on the hobby than have to give up something because I'm too emotionally tied to it. I'd get a LeBron and I'd be like, I can't sell that. No, I can't sell that. But I'd have to because, I mean, that's just what you do. But no, uh, deal with Mike and I have a small circle. I mean, it's fun though because with IG2, it's like I can send out a message to you or to, to Francis or a ton of people and just say, hey, you know anything about this guy? You know, is he a guy that we can deal with? Is he a guy that's hard to deal with? And it's funny because we all talk behind the scenes. There's certain people that are hard to deal with. And they you can make deals with them, but it's just tough. They want you to fight them tooth and nail to figure out a deal. And it's just really hard. And, um, and they know they are. And they're good at it. And some people will make you turn. Some people, you'll be smiling when you leave. And they'll just, they may take you for some extra money, but you're both happy and, um, I think that's where the emotion comes in. It's just, you just really get tied up in it and you're like, I'm not letting this car get away. And uh, unless it's just outrageous. Um, but no, I mean, and as, back in the day when I collected, there was a lot of dealers that were scrupulous and, you know, you didn't want to deal with them. And they were hard to deal with. And now there's just so many great people in the hobby and that are just really good guys and no pressure. Um, 
you know, it's, um, but Mike is probably, you know, I'm not trying to pump him up, but most people on IG know he's great to deal with. I've never heard anybody have a bad experience with him. So, and I know you've dealt with him as much as I have. Yeah, probably, probably not as, I mean, we've done a few, but it seems like you've gotten a lot from him, which is awesome. Yeah, I have. Like yeah. Guys. I mean, really, probably, yeah. Yeah, most of my big cards I got from him. Um, and he always says, don't come back to me. He's like, you see, he's like, you don't, don't rub it in when it, when it doubles in value in the next two or three months. And, you know, and, but I get it. And that's why I'm glad I don't sell cards. So, cause I would be so, and probably like you, you'd be like, I don't want to let that go. I can't let that go. Like, you know, it's like, we, we buy LeBron cards like once every month or two at this point now because of how expensive oh. it is. And I think that works in our benefit just because we, we're just like, we've, we've put so much into it. We're less likely to sell it, meaning we're going to hold it longer. And we just like see the full value of it all the way through. It's actually, you're right. It's like, I get disappointed every night. You know, I have eBay searches like everybody else and every night lay in bed, look at them and then just disappointed because there's just nothing there. And when stuff does go up, it's just so crazy expensive. And so that's why trading, I think, is great. Um, yeah. you, know, you, you can pick stuff. You can get stuff in a trade that you couldn't go pay cash for. Um, and that's what I try to do. So, yeah. The consolidation game has always been my favorite. You you and I kind of do it the same. You buy the – you build up, build up, buy stuff, buy stuff, and then something big comes along finally, and then you have to sell it all back and get the big one. Yeah. And, you know, when – in my case and probably your case, I've let some things go. I've, I've never sold a LeBron card since he signed the Lakers in 2018. I've never traded or sold a LeBron card that I, I didn't regret it because I got something else that didn't go up tremendously. And it was just like, you know, should I just kept it and pay cash, you know, but just like all of us, we all have disposable income and we, you know, we're not going to pay our house note to or sell our, you know, to use our house money or whatever I'm saying. It's just, you just don't do that. So at least, at least I don't. Um, some people might, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it, I have a lot of regrets in those, but nothing, as long as I'm getting something in return and I love it, it, it doesn't matter. Well, there's been a ton of awesome nuggets in this. I hope people have picked up a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the one thing I've noticed is like patience. Um, I think you, you have a lot of that, uh, friendliness. Like, I think, I think you're one of the better guys in the hobby and just like, um, being kind of calm and, and, and friendly and approachable. And I, I think that's really awesome. So there's a lot to go here. Any, any like last minute words for anybody? I think that's it. Um, I pretty much covered it. I appreciate you having me on. Um, it's, I was flattered the other day. I know you laughed and I was like, you know, but I watch these all the time and it's like, you know, Francis will call me and say, Hey, do you, do you catch the last one? And that, that guy was great or whatever. And, and so I just, I was flattered just because I mean, there's so many people that's gotten more than me. And that's one thing about the hobby too. You know, you can't get hung up in that because there's always going to be somebody having more than you. And we get, we get as men, especially, I think we think, Oh, we, we got to have the best and the most. And, and that's not true. And, and some of the guys that have a lot of money and that we know in the hobby, they get as excited about a $200 card or a hundred dollar card. And so I love that about the hobby. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just be patient. You know, you still can grow a collection. I think, I think we're going to have some dips. I mean, it's, it's going to go back down. Um, but yeah, just thanks for having me on. Of course, dude. Awesome stuff. We'll talk soon. All right. All right, buddy. Thanks.